So we're continuing our Hall of Fame series, right? Hebrews 11, it lists like a who's who of people who have done things so pleasing to God that they are considered worthy because of their faith, because of their sacrifice, because of their humility to be counted as great before God. And I believe that one of the reasons God gives us this hall of fame is to remind us that if we follow him, if we can be faithful to him, if we can receive his grace and his goodness, that he will look upon us with the same favor. Today we're going to look at a man called Moses. In some ways, as you review the Hall of Famers, he needs to be top of the list because of his incredible accomplishments. The first five books of the Bible that tell us so much about God, about history, about the way things were and the way there were things could be was written by Moses. He was a leader, a legislator, a historian, an orator, a statesman. But if he could be here today, I think he would say that his greatest accomplishment was that he was considered and called and remembered by history as a friend of God. And when the author of Hebrews, no one's really sure who that is, is capturing his story, he says this one thing about Moses. Now, we could have written uh, chapters and books and books and encyclopedias on Moses' life, bless you. But he chooses just to share this sentence. He says, Moses was one who saw him, talking about God, who is invisible. Moses is one who saw him who is invisible. Of all of his accomplishments, the author chooses to record that Moses saw him who is invisible. That's a profound statement. But really, it's the essence of faith. Our faith in God, our belief in Jesus, our trust in him is about seeing one who is invisible. And our responsibility as Christians is to help the process of helping these people in this world that God loves see him who is invisible. I'm sure, like me, you have met many people who don't believe as we do in God. There are a lot of reasons why people don't believe in God. A lot of pain, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of poor representation of him by the church. But often, some people on the surface level, and I say surface level because it's really a, a shallow argument, will say, I don't believe in God 
because I can't see God. And the challenge is for the church, like Moses, how do we help people see him who is invisible? And so I want to look at a significant passage, significant chapter in Moses' life that tells us, I believe, about how he came to see this in God, this God that is invisible. And it's all wrapped up in Moses' calling, and it's found in Exodus chapter 3. But Moses had a uh, interesting life. He lived to, to uh, be 120. In the first 40 years of his life, Moses thought that he was a somebody. But pretty quickly, as he took matters into his old hands, and consequences caught up for him, for the next 40 years, he realized that he was a nobody. Part of growing up, right? We start off by thinking we're a somebody, and then we realize that we are not as somebody as we thought, and we're probably a little bit more nobody. But then God gets a hold of him, and God doesn't restore to him the idea that he's a somebody. God simply reminds him that God loves everybody. And for the last 40 years of his life, that's the message that he's proclaiming. That's the direction that he's leading. But Exodus chapter 3, I believe, is where Moses started to see God and where we can start to see God and where we can help see God as well. Exodus chapter 3. The first place that he sees the invisible God is in stuff, is in people. Like Mike said, you don't have to study very far into the science of space to see that something is going on much bigger than us. I was talking with a friend of mine who uh, just got a job uh, working at Hunter Vision, and he's learning all about the eye I said, that's fascinating. He was telling me about it. He says, well, what does it do to you when, you when you learn all that stuff? He said, it makes me go, wow. And it causes me to, to worship. You, you know, so many people are afraid that science is a threat to a Christ, Christianity. We've got that completely wrong. Science actually reveals to us the glory of God. Right? Science is one of those things that helps us to, to see God. But in this first part of Exodus chapter 3, there are two things that Moses sees that helps him see the invisible God. The first is this man called Jethro, who becomes his father-in-law. It says, meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. Remember, Moses was a somebody. He grew up in the royal palace in, in Egypt, but then he became a nobody, and he had nothing left, and he didn't know what to do, and he didn't know who he was. And then he met this girl, and this father-in-law, Jethro, mentored him and loved him and gave him a job and a purpose that was great not just for the moment, but that was part of the prophetic purpose that he would spend his life. He's shepherding sheep in the wilderness. 
God was kind of setting it up to lead people through the wilderness. But Jethro is this godly man who took a chance on Moses. And my guess is that Moses wouldn't have seen God unless he first saw God in Jethro. Sometimes, if we want to see God, one of the best ways to do that is by looking at God's people. Now, conversely, that's also one of the worst ways to do it sometimes. But there's nothing like a Christian sister or a Christian brother who's trying to love God, who reflects God to you. I think Moses first saw God through Jethro. Man, I look back on my life, and honestly, there's so many people that I need to thank because I saw God in them. Sometimes we we see God in people before we see God as he is, right? If you're struggling to see God, it makes sense that you would hang around someone who's trying to act in a godly way. So he's sitting there in the wilderness uh, under the, the, the leadership of this godly man. And then it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked at this bush, he saw it was on fire, but he saw that it was not consumed. He, he saw that it wasn't burning. Now, initially, I'm sure he would say, oh, there's a burning bush expecting, you know, that uh, the fire would kind of put itself out or, you know, it would burn itself through. And so imagine he saw it out of the corner of his eye. Maybe he gave it a look and he went away to make a cup of tea or whatever Moses did in those days. And he came back and he noticed that the bush wasn't burning at all. That this was an object that grabbed his attention. Sometimes God speaks to us through objects through stuff, right? That we look at the moon through a telescope and we say, wow. Or we look at the eye and the retina and the structure of the eye and we say, wow. Jesus said it this way. uh, if If we don't cry out, if we don't worship God, then creation will. Because creation reveals God, right? Creation can help us see the invisible God. And so there's this fire uh, burning in the background. And Moses is, is curious about it, and he kind of walks up, and he takes these steps towards it. And it's when he takes the steps towards it that the voice of God through the angel in the fire starts to speak to him. And the angel says, Moses. And it reminds him that God knows his name. He says, Moses, don't come any closer. It reminds us that God wants to protect us. Uh, And Moses, take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. And you've been unholy, but I want to make you holy. It's interesting in these first words that God issues to Moses, God is sharing what we now know as the gospel, that we are known by God, that we are loved by God, that God loves us so much he wants to transform us. And Moses sees God initially through people 
and through objects. If you're struggling to see God, go hang out with some people who are trying to follow them, follow him, and see if you can see God in them. If you can't see God, take a walk around a park, look over the lakes, study the structure of the tree, and just ask yourself the question, how did this come about? You use as much science as you will to to research because all that stuff will point towards a God who creates it. First of all, Moses sees God in stuff. Does that make sense? If we want to see God, we've got to look at stuff. You're not going to see, see God if you're consumed and blindfolded just by yourself. If you think that you're the, the center of the universe, you're not going to, to see him. So Moses, loved by Jethro, meets God who's in this burning bush. God identifies himself as who he is, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And in verse 7, God continues the conversation. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. Now this sentence would have pushed a button in Moses, right? Because he grew up as an Israelite, but he was raised in the Egyptian uh, palace that he rebelled from, and wanting to kind of claim his identity as an Israelite, he killed an Egyptian. So he hears this, and he's like, oh, God, you're messing with, with my stuff. You're getting involved in my stuff here. And the first thing that God says would have really appealed to him when he says, I hear the misery of your people. I hear them crying out. I know about the oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them. I'm going to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, so the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I've also seen the way of the Egyptians. Therefore go, because I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. We get to see God through stuff. But we also get to see God through humanity's need. We get to see God in the lives of those who are hurting and those who are struggling. Because as we look at their life, we see that there's only one hope for their life, and that's the intervention of God. We've all met people who would fit this description, right? They're struggling, and they're oppressed, and they don't know where to go, and they don't know what's going on. You know, I've met a lot of, a lot of people like that over the, over the years, Sometimes if I think it's helpable, is that a word, helpable? Helpful. You know, I'll, I'll get involved and try to do my bit. 
But there's a lot of people who are living like Egyptians. And I'm like, oh, God bless you. I'm just going to pray for you from a distance. (laughs) But I find that it's when we get involved in the messiness of people's lives that we actually give ourselves a front row seat to see God move and see God work. And that's what God was inviting Moses into. Moses, I want to... I, I want to... I want to heal these people. I want to bless these people. I want to liberate these people. I want to take these people, uh, what do you say, to a land full of milk and honey, to, to a place of freedom where they're not continually trapped or weighed down. And I want you to get involved because I want you to, to see me do it because as you see me do it, you will get to see me. Man, I've seen that time and time again. In situations where there seems to be no way, when there seems to be no hope, when there seems to be no answer. I say, let's let's walk through this together. Let's pray together. Let's ask God together. Let's start making right godly choices together. And God will take that person and he'll transform their life And every time I've seen one of those transformed lives, it's not, hey, well done, good job. It's, wow, God, you did something amazing here. We see God as he works in humanity, in the lives of others, but also in the the life of us as well. I love Moses' response here. Verse 11, he says, "Uh, hang on a second. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God says, I will certainly be with you, and I'll give you a sign. Moses asked God, 13, if I go to the Israelites, what am I going to say when they ask me a bunch of questions? What what do I need to, to tell them? And it's almost like through these questions, and I totally get it, Moses' insecurity is coming out. God, it's one thing for you to say that, but but this is me. You don't know the stuff that's going on inside of me. You don't know the ways that I wrestle. You don't know my insecurities. And God says, I'll go with you. We'll, we'll, We'll do it together. Honestly, that's the one, that's one of the ways that I've seen God in my own life. When I see something that I'm afraid of because of my insecurities, and I take a deep breath, and I say, okay, here we go, and I make myself vulnerable, and God shows up, and it's not like, yay me, I've overcome my insecurities. It's like, yay God, you love me despite them, and you love me through them. We see God at work in the the needs and the brokenness of humanity, right? But we see God in the needs and brokenness of ourselves. I had one of those experiences on Friday. I'd been asked to lead a Bible study with the um, U.S. men's national soccer team, right? And for a soccer nerd, that's like as high as it gets, right? I mean, these guys are like... 
I mean, I'd have posters on our bedroom wall if Tracy would let me, right? <laughs> but I get to the hotel where they're staying, and I got my stuff prepared because I've been sweating about it and worrying about it, and I'm sitting in the car, and my leg's doing one of these things. And it's like, okay, it's time to go. Okay, let's go. My insecurities were holding us back. And I said, come on, God, let's help me. And he says, okay, let's go. And we go together and we go and it goes great. And I mean, I can't take any credit, but the, the U.S. national team won their game that evening. And all the guys who scored, all the guys who scored were in my Bible study, just saying, right? <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not saying, yes, I did it, right? I'm saying, God, you did it because I know of my own failings and my own needs and my own brokenness, right? Because we see God in our deficits. Moses saw God through stuff, in people, through the fire. My name tag fell off. Did you see that? <laughs> Moses saw God through humanity. Through the oppression and the struggle that people were experiencing, and, and through the, the, the insecurity and the vulnerability that, that he had himself, he saw God. Third and final way that, that Moses saw God, verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's all you need to know. I am the first and the last. I am he who was and is and is to come. You go in my name. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has sent me. This is my name forever. This is how I will be remembered in every generation. Moses, you're afraid, you're scared, but you go and you will see me at work. We see God through stuff. We see God through humanity. I love this last one. We see God through strategy, through the plan. So what happens here is God says, let me tell you the plan. Verse 16. Go and assemble the Israelites and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and what you have done in Egypt. And I have promised you that I will bring you out of the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Pizzarites, Hizites. You can read it. <laughs> to a land flowing with milk and honey. She says, the first part of the strategy is you're going to gather your leaders together. You're going to tell them what's going on. And then, verse 18, they will listen to you. Part three of the strategy. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we can sacrifice. However, verse 19... Know that the king of Israel will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I perform in it, after that he will let you go. Right? So he's saying, gather your people, send the delega delegation to Pharaoh, tell him you want to go away on this three-day retreat. He's going to say no. 
When he says no, I'm going to send a bunch of plagues so that he submits to me, and then he'll eventually let you go. And by the way, when you go, you will go with some of the Egyptian gold as well. And it was that little release that led to this 40-year journey. Right? So what's happening here is that God is saying to Moses, here's the plan. Step one, step two, step three, step four. At step two, this is going to happen. At step three, this is going to happen. At step four, this is going to happen. What do you think happened to Moses' faith when the things that God said would happen started to happen? He started to see God through the process, through the plan. You, you can imagine, I'm sure Moses was pretty uh, fearful and nervous. But he walked forward. Okay, I'll, I'll bring my guys together. I'm going to share this message of hope. And he shares this message of hope, and it's like, oh, they're, they're listening. <laughs> Maybe what God said is right. She so said, let me try the next step. Uh, okay, well, I need a few of the elders. We're going to go see the Pharaoh. I imagine at that point there was a lot of folks who took a step backward. But a few stepped forward and said, we'll go with you. And Moses is like, man, that's cool. These guys are coming with me too. God said it would happen. And they go to the Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, we need to go. And the Pharaoh says, no. And Moses is a little bit discouraged, but then he thinks, I shouldn't be discouraged because God said it was going to be like this. And so we'll just wait for God to do the next step in the strategy. Then one by one, the different plagues came. And Moses is probably sitting back there going to say, hey, yeah, God said he was going to do this. I, I get it. I, I see him through this strategy. And Pharaoh was so frustrated that, that he said, okay, just be gone. Get out of here. He didn't quite say it like that, but you get the idea. And so, so the Israelites are ready to go, and they go with all this plundered gold from Egypt. And I think Moses got to see God through God making happen what he said would happen. One of the ways that we can see God is by seeking to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives that he presides over. And knowing that as the blessings come on that plan, they come because God said they would. And when the, the, the difficult times come on that plan, they come, but they come with God's presence with us. We get to see God through the strategy that he's working out in the world. Does that make sense? Moses was a man whose life Epitaph was signed up in this one sentence. He was someone who saw him who was invisible. H how did he see this invisible God? He, he saw him in stuff. He saw him in, in humanity's need. He saw him in the, the strategy, the plan that God had for life. Those are all great ways that we can see God. If you're struggling to see God... If you're asking questions, where is he, where are you? Man, look around at the stuff and you'll see him there. If you're struggling to see God, look at humanity's need. Get involved in someone 
life who's broken and watch God do what only God can do, knowing that you are, are completely incapable of doing anything. If you want to see God, ask him about your life and walk through that plan. And when what he says is going to happen happens, then you'll see him. Moses was one who saw him who was invisible. It worked for Moses. It's a little harder for us, right? To see God in stuff or a strategy that seems so nebulous or pain that's so difficult. And so God has made a way that these things we've talked about only become part of the backup plan us to see him because the apostle Paul when he's writing about Jesus says that Jesus is the visible representation of an invisible God so we should look for God and stuff we should look for God in brokenness we should look for God and strategy. That's all important and helpful, and it gives depth and foundation to who we are. But this side of the cross, if we want to see the invisible God, we look to Jesus because Paul in Colossians says, He is the image of the invisible God. So here's what I tell you today. You want to see God? Look for the stuff that Moses did. But let's start by looking to Jesus. How he lived. What he did. How he thought. How he, he loved. As we see him, we see God.